The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome back to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell, and I am joined by the congressman from Illinois' 14th district, Congresswoman Lauren Underwood. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Zerlina. It's so good to be with you again. So we have lived through really a whirlwind month here um, both in watching the January 6th Select Committee hearings and preparing, I think, uh, for the final decision in the Dobbs case, the Roe v. Wade decision. We got the leaked draft last month, but all month we've really been preparing for that um, with the com- committee hearings um, going on as well. I just want to first get your reaction. How are you processing the Roe decision as the end of abortion um, you know, in America in terms of the impact it will have on on so many communities I know you care deeply about? Yeah, I mean, I've been so devastated since this ruling was announced um, officially. And I think, you know, I share the sentiments of so many people across this country in recognizing that our reproductive freedoms have been ripped away. Um, I do want to clarify that what this decision does is it gives states the options to ban abortion. It doesn't automatically uh, eliminate access to abortion care for everyone in this country. And so I live in a state in Illinois where, you know, we still have access to safe legal abortion, but we want to ensure that this gets enshrined into law, which is the work that we are aggressively pursuing in the House right now. And, you know, you're a a former registered nurse and you've uh, joined the Congress um, and in your time there have focused on so many of the different uh, health issues that we see. You've talked a lot about systemic racism within the system. Um, In terms of the impact of the road decision coming into a healthcare system that we already know has a disproportionate Um, impacts in so many ways, maternal mortality being one. I know you focused on um, how do you think the elimination of abortion access, at least in half of the country, um, will exacerbate some of those issues related to systemic racism that we already see within the healthcare system? Right. So we know that reproductive freedom and maternal health care are inextricably linked Um, And, you know, the Supreme Court's ruling ignores the reality that is so clear to many of us in this country, right, that pregnancy in the United States is deadlier than in any other high-income country. We see uh, maternal mortality rates for Black people and Native Americans at two to four times higher than the rates for white Americans. And we know that there are heightened dangers that Black women face during pregnancy, and that makes this court's ruling um, especially unconscionable. 
And, you know, we know that some states do have exemptions that allow a doctor to provide an abortion to save the life of a pregnant person. But these laws are being interpreted differently by providers right now, right? So in this last week, you know, we've seen many states um, that haven't necessarily clarified things yet. So a recent study researching the impact of Texas's abortion law uh, showed that doctors are reporting that they postponed abortion care until a patient's health or pregnancy complication deteriorated to the point that their life was in danger, right? And that's where we see, you know, the emergence of, um, I think, furtherance of disparities, right? Because we already know in our healthcare system where uh, people of color are not being treated equally or fairly, right? Mm -hmm. it, it gets to be really problematic. Um, and I think that this ruling is inhumane um, and for communities that do not have access to medical care, for communities who already face barriers to healthcare, they're gonna be at higher risk for complications and pregnancy related death. It's a it's a really important point in in contextualizing this moment in a system that already wasn't working um, well for for so many people. Illinois is unique in this particular moment in that um, it's it's kind of in an island of itself. It's like in the middle of all of these other states where there are very strict abortion bans, um, and it's going to become an access point for abortion care. I think you have 29, I want to say, abortion clinics uh, throughout the state of Illinois. Um, in terms of, of, of the future, how do you see Illinois as almost a safe haven of sorts for people and an access point going forward? And, and how do you think the federal government and even state and local officials can work together to try to, uh, I don't know, come up with creative solutions to, to an uh, increase access to people who may be traveling from out of state from other places um, to seek abortion care? Well, in Illinois, you know, we believe in empowering women. In Illinois, we believe in having access to affordable health care services. And in Illinois, we elect leaders that align with those values. And so, you know, I'm very proud of our governor, Governor Pritzker, who has been, you know, so clear in his statements to affirm that Illinois will remain a beacon and of access to healthcare in the Midwest, um, been very clear that everyone is welcome in our state to get the healthcare that they need. Um, and, you know, I have been working with leaders and community partners all across the state, um, organizations like Planned Parenthood and others to make sure that uh, there are clinics and um, healthcare facilities that are easily accessible in the communities that have that high need, right? So whether they're uh, along communities that border other states, um, you know, that there are clinics that are accessible to people who need healthcare. Obviously we have um, a lot of transportation mm -hmm. <laughs> options within Illinois. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just here to make sure that nationwide we can take action in the Congress to affirm our reproductive freedom, right? It should not be, um, the kind of burden for uh, a woman and a pregnant person to to navigate um, transportation and you know legal 
quagmires to try to figure out how to get the health care that they need. This is a right that we have had for nearly 50 years, and now we need to step up into Congress and affirm it and make sure that it is enshrined into law. And so there was a little bit of news recently on that front because the president, who had previously not supported changes to the filibuster rule um, in order to um, codify Roe and pass the Women's Health Protection Act, um, has changed his position subsequent to the Roe ruling. What is your reaction to that? I mean, did did you feel that filibuster reform was necessary? Anything necessary to get the Women's Health Protection Act passed and signed into law? Um, was the appropriate way yeah, um, to get it done, however it gets done. My response is, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. been so clear that we need filibuster reform. I believe that the filibuster just needs to be eliminated. Mm. Um, and the way that we get there is by electing two additional pro-choice Democratic senators in these elections in November, um, make sure that these folks win. <laughs> and then um, come January, right, we get our reproductive freedom enshrined into law. It is that simple. Yeah. And so I'm very proud of the president for making this bold and unequivocal statement um, because we had seen reluctance to do so, right? The president right. had made a statement around um, a filibuster carve out relating to voting rights. And, you know, that was um, welcomed, but a little delayed. <laughs> and now I am very pleased to hear the president make this statement today. Um, and, you know, while we have an opportunity to continue to take action in this Congress. It's, it was an incredible moment. I mean, he was abroad when he sent it to in Madrid, Spain. And so um, I think, you know, to see an American president talking about the Supreme Court and and the need for filibuster reform in order to codify uh, bodily autonomy and protection of our rights um, is a sight to see. It's definitely a moment in history. In terms of the overturning of Roe, one of the things that I keep thinking about all week is the fact that basically we're in a moment where these protections are taken away. We've already talked about how there's already an epidemic of maternal mortality and, and worse outcomes for communities of color in our healthcare system when it relates to anything, but also pregnancy. Um, but also we're, we're in a moment where the same people who support the overturning of Roe, they don't support um, universal childcare. They don't support paid right. family leave. Some right. of the other aspects of Build Back Better. I mean, speak to this idea that like, we just had a baby formula shortage just a couple of months before they overturned Roe v. Wade. So you're mandating birthing, forced birth, um, but also not providing the resources or su support for those resources that would help parents actually raise healthy kids. Yeah, you know, we're in a moment where the Supreme Court and, you know, in my world, congressional Republicans have been, you know, adamant for years in supporting government-mandated pregnancy in their extremist attempt to ban abortion nationwide. That's what congressional Republicans want to do. But at the same time, they will not support um, an economic agenda that supports women by you know, passing common sense needed legislation like affordable childcare, like paid family leave, like paid sick leave. Um, and you know, they didn't join us to offer additional funding to 
make sure that we are not exacerbating an infant formula shortage in this country. I mean, it is absurd. And so in my mind, there is one party in this country that stands with women, stands with women's full civil rights, human rights, and economic security in this country. And that party is the Democratic Party. It's, it's, it's all about the policies. You know what I mean? I think I think when you lay it out in those terms, it becomes a very clear contrast between the two choices um, in before these upcoming midterms. I want to pivot to the topic of gun safety because, um, you know, as I said, it, it's been a hard month, right? We had um, the draft leak last month. We also had horrific tragedies, both in Buffalo and Evaldi in, in terms of our gun violence problem in this mm-hmm. country. Can you speak to just the moment we're in? I mean, it's a lot to process. We're in a pandemic. We just had an insurrection. Um, they overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, the same Supreme Court basically gave unrestricted access to guns in a moment where we're living through mass shooting after mass shooting. I mean, it's a lot. How do you, as a, a congressperson, as a representative of the 14th District, wake up every day to sort of keep your eye on the ball in terms of you know, trying to push for issues that you care about um, with just the collision of so many crises at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, the Congress had a bipartisan breakthrough moment, right, with the Senate passage and the House passage of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which was a proposal in response to the tragedy in Uvalde, where you know we have $750 million for states to implement red flag laws that save lives in this country. We have a red flag law in Illinois, um, but these resources then help educate people on how to intervene and bring a case that can prevent a suicide death or prevent someone from harming uh, a friend, neighbor, loved one. Um, it's so important, you know, that same law now uh, has an opportunity to close the long-standing boyfriend loophole, which mm-hmm. was an essential piece in the Violence Against Women Act that we have fought so hard for inclusion. And now it's been signed into law, which makes sure that d- convicted domestic violent abusers in dating relationships are now included in that background check system so that if they've been convicted, they can't get a gun, right? Like we know that uh, especially in Illinois, straw purchasing and gun trafficking has been such a persistent problem. And now we have a federal statute to uh, prosecute these individuals who are engaging in these practices that bring more death and violence to our communities, right? So, you know, we have enhanced background checks for young people um, to review their juvenile records if they're seeking to purchase guns under the age of 21, right? There's there's some mm-hmm. really good policies that we were able to get included in this bill that was signed. Is it everything we want? Absolutely not. Have I, I have not forgotten about the need for the universal background checks, which we know will save lives. You yeah. know, we know that we need to close the loopholes that allow guns to be sold before that background check is completed. Mm-hmm. The Charles loophole. We know we need an assault weapons ban, right? So there is so much more work to do in the common sense gun violence prevention category to fully meet this moment, right? But I think we should also recognize what we've what we've gotten done. Right. 
as we move forward. And that's what gives me energy. No, it's a, it's a really important point. I mean, I think the people that sort of try to underplay the progress that you made. I mean, it was the first bill passed of any kind in 30 years. That's a really, really long time um, for nothing to get done. And then finally something. It shows, I think, that public opinion, public pressure um, can have an impact because we lived through, I don't even know how many shootings uh, and massacres since the um, Newtown massacre where there was no action. And so Evaldi was different. Evaldi was different. I know that you are, um, you have to go because you're a congressperson serving your constituents. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining for this really important conversation in a historic week, historic month. Um, Lauren Underwood, representative of Illinois' 14th district. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Carolina. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.